Well, Lauren, that was uh, another intriguing show. I really enjoyed that. In fact, uh, our guests are still sitting here. We just wrapped and everyone's still sitting around. We're about to dig into some donuts. And we've got Sasha Paulson, author, novelist, editor, features editor at uh, our Napa Valley Register. Her daughter, Ariel, who is her publisher as well. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It was fun. I really enjoyed talking about uh, you know your experience writing this book and uh, hearing about a little bit about the writing process and how you approach it. And one of these days, I hope to put pen to paper, dip my quill in that ink. Let's, <laughs> it's a great idea. Let's make it happen. Oh, well, we won't give too much away, but that was a particularly good one. I think folks are going to enjoy that. Well, thank you. Well, before we get to the show, Mr. Lauren Mole has a few things he'd like to say. We invite you to join Judd at his family's winery at the south end of Silverado Trail. Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is at juddshill.com. Or you can call 707-255-2332. Thank you very much, Lauren. That's all right. Uh, We would love to have you come over. We like nothing more than entertaining our our guests, whether you're from out of town or one of our Napa neighbors. Uh, While you are online, uh, getting our visiting information and the contact number to make your reservation, take a look around. We've got an events page. There's always something fun going on. Uh, We've got some fun videos. You know, we've got poetry, wine-related poetry, and we've got, you got it, wine. There's delicious wine. You can put some in your shopping cart. And Lauren Mole has uh, something special to say for our valued listeners. Just type in coupon code JNVS, all lowercase letters, please, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. And if that's not enough, you can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night. True enough. Um, we invite you to come. We always have a, we always have our good time guarantee with the with the wine club. You get to try all of our wines. You get to come to the events, and uh, you get a good deal on the wine and the shipping. And what more can I say? It's just it's just fun. That's a good word, just fun. I mean, why do we need to get fancier than the, the, the word fun? Sometimes the simplest is the best. Good times and great wines. Before we get to the show, Sasha, is there a place you want to direct people who want to follow along during this episode? A, a website, a mailing list, anything to find out about you? Or should they just well, listen in and... By the book, which is called Dancing on the Spider's Web. It's, it, you know, I think the things you write speak for themselves. I do have a website, which I'm very bad at updating, but it's sashapalson.com. There you and, go. Um, the website for Tempest Books Limited, my daughter's publishing house, is under construction. Okay, but it's, but you are to be found somewhere and at some yeah. point. Usually locked in the newsroom at the Napa Valley Register. <laughs> Well, we hope to see you on the outside one of these days, and congrats on the book, and thanks for coming in today. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, thank you so much. And I think our listeners are going to enjoy. And now, enjoy the show. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of Finkel fun. Get ready for another heap of fascinating things to know. From witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing. Live from a Napa studio. You may 
maybe that intriguing person on Drought's Napa Valley Show. Pardon me, I'll have a Chardonnay. A marvelous date, it's hard to say. I know we never talk about the Sauvignon Blanc. It's a must-have on the podcast. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. You can't ease this flow if I elaborate over a cabernet. My buddy's the truth. You should study my man Juddy and learn something new. The most important step in any Thanksgiving recipe is adding wine to the cook. What kind of wine, you say? Just sell wine, of course. And now, live from Wine Down Media Studios at South Napa Century Center, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mull, and here's your host, Judd Fagelstein. Uh, good morning, Mr. Lauren Mull. What is happening in the world of you today? Uh, well, for me, Thanksgiving plans are up in the air this year. Oh, is that right? What's going on? Uh, well, there's a possibility that I may have to work on Thanksgiving Day. Oh. Ah, okay. Well, it's actually, Knob Hill is actually open 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Okay, on Thanksgiving cl- Closing day. a little early, but that might preclude you from traveling if you were planning on doing that. But you guys... It would. Do you normally host? I'm trying to remember. Uh, me and my mom and dad and my Uncle Rick, we usually go up to Lake Elmer oh, for Thanksgiving. Oh, you go up there. Okay. But we don't know if that'll be happening. I see. Well, I hope you get to do, or, or whatever, I hope whatever happens, you have a joyful and meaningful day of gratitude. I will. Excellent. You you always seem to enjoy that holiday. You're a traditionalist, as I recall. You like you like your turkey, your mashed potatoes and gravy, and your cornbread stuffing dressing. Uh, I'd leave out the the stuffing. You don't like the stuffing? Okay, no. I was close. The other stuff, though, yes. Uh, precisely. Okay, good. And uh, any big uh, shows coming up? Any appearances open to the public? Uh, Napa Valley Voices will be performing around town uh, during the holidays. Uh, Throughout December. And yes, even at uh, one of the retirement homes in Sonoma as well. That sounds fun. And can people go to that? Uh, are these are these public? They probably are. <laughs> How would we find out? Would we oh, go uh, on? NapaValleyVoices.com, yes. I think it is. Okay. Well, a simple search, and I think folks will find it. And it's worth the price of admission, whatever it is, to see Mr. Lauren Mole doing his thing and giving it a sing. Around town. Yes. Oh, and one yeah. other thing, John. Yeah. Operation with Love from Home has an event at 10 a.m. at uh, Napa Valley College on Sunday, December 8th. Registration is at 9.30. And that's wonderful. You want to briefly give a description of what that's all about? Operation with Love from Home is a nonprofit organization that helps uh, put together care packages for our troops. Okay. Very good. And it's like a big assembly line. You go down there. And uh, you have a station, and you you fill up these the the packages kind of go down the assembly, and you put your stuff in, and then pass it down, right? Yes, that's right. And they give you free red, white, and blue ribbons for you to wear. Perfect. And they also have cool merchandise as well. Okay, well that sounds like a good time. I've been down there myself before. It's 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 uh, quite fulfilling, literally and uh, emotionally. It is. So uh, so what's going on with you, Judd? Oh, man. You know, it's uh, it's always busy. Always busy. It's a beautiful day in Napa Valley. We've uh, wrapped up harvest at this point, and uh, the wine is beginning to rest in the barrel. It's delicious. We have just released, Lauren, this is exciting, just um, a couple days ago, what I believe is the first Napa Valley wine to come out from the 2019 vintage. Actually, it is a Nouveau Rosé of Pinot Noir, and uh, we call it our NVX. 
and it's it's ready. We only made one barrel worth, so there's 24 cases, and it's it's ready to go. It's perfect for um, you know the Thanksgiving feast, holiday entertaining. It's meant to be enjoyed young, so it's not something we recommend holding on to. Just pick up a bottle, pop the cork, enjoy. It's it's delicious. And, uh, you know, it's something to talk about. It's a conversation starter, too. It's the first wine uh, from 2019. And so we're really excited about that. We've got that. And then also coming up on, let's see, what's the day? Oh, yeah. Sunday, December 8th, the annual Judd's Hill Hanukkah Hootenanny benefiting Napa CHI, the Community Health Initiative, which is a wonderful organization that we wholeheartedly support. They ensure that's with an E, they ensure that all of our local citizens are insured. They, they, they make healthcare accessible to all in Napa County. So we love that because, you know, people got to be healthy. They got to be taken care of. And that is happening at Judd's Hill again, Sunday, December 8th, noon to 2.30 PM. It is a, um, also doubles as a pickup party for our wine club. So folks in our wine club can come at no charge and get their shipment. If you're not in our wine club, you know what I'm about to say. You should be. It's fantastic. I'm just going to go out and say it's the best one out there. If you'd like to come to this, details are at Judd'sHill.com. You click on the events tab and you can see what we're up to and and make your uh, reservation. That's what we got going on. We have a very interesting guest. Actually, two. We got two, two, two for the price of one today. So would you please introduce our our guest, and then we will introduce the the surprise guest uh, that's that comes along. And this is this is this is fun. Here we go. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lauren Mole. Today we'll keep it wholesome, not a show of all sin, unless of course some impish nutty prankster calls in. I mean, we much rather speak to this author, its editor and novelist, Sasha Paulson. Aha. Uh-huh. There she is. You are so good at that. Sasha Paulson. Thanks. Welcome back. You were on this show about three and a half years ago. Is that what it was? It was about three and a half years ago. We had a great conversation. And just so folks, just in case they don't know who are listening, you are the features editor and have been for the past 20 years at... At Napa, at the Napa Valley Register, and I'm I'm getting a, a signal. We're gonna turn things up here. Let's see. So you're here. You have been involved in all the happenings of Napa Valley for the past 20 years, as far as the newspaper goes. But you also grew up here. I did. I mean, you you you've been involved in the happenings all over, and you bring us the stories, and it's exciting to talk to you. Last time you were here, you were on the verge of releasing a novel which has now been released, and that's exciting, too. So we've got a lot to talk about. I think we do, yes. And I'm excited, and we ought to, we ought to get right to it. Let's, let's just go back a little bit and um, give a bit of your Napa cred, though. I mean, you did grow up here. You're a graduate of Napa High. Napa High School. You have uh, studied English, so this is your cred, why you're an editor and an, and an author. You studied English at not one, but two, two prestigious colleges. Is that correct? I did. UC Berkeley and St. Mary's? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Okay, pretty good resume so far. Should we keep going? Okay. You also have a master's in journalism, which uh, helps out for your current career. It does. And that's also from uh, UC Berkeley, Graduate School of Journalism. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, accolades I should, uh, degrees I should know about? No. Isn't that enough? I think that's pretty good. And and today you have brought along your daughter, Ariel, who also acts as your publisher, manager, publicist. You've come along to talk about the book as well. Hello. Hello. Yeah, she's the person who gets me 
places on time. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, we like that. You're a very important person. You know, last time you were here, we talked a little bit about the history of, as you experienced it in Napa and what you do at the register. And I'd like to t- touch on that again, because it's, it's been three and a half years and things have happened. And, and I definitely want to talk about the new book, uh, Dancing on the Spider's Web, which we were able to speak about, but uh, it hadn't been released. Hadn't been released. And it ended up being a longer road than I anticipated at the time. Yeah. I think that was about three publishers ago when we were speaking. Okay. And, you know, talk about a, a crazy road. Publishing is probably the strangest business you could go into. Is that? Um, oh, yeah. It, it, uh, I went through five publishers in five years who all were really well-meaning people but the publishing industry right now is in such a state of, um, I would say, chaos, like a lot mm. of things, that finally I, I complained so much about my experiences that my daughter Ariel decided to start a publishing house so that I would just stop complaining. <laughs> or you could, that's what brought my book. Or you had a one-stop complain shop who was very close to you. You could just direct it all to one person, your daughter. And Ariel, how has that been? Has it been, how's the experience been being your mom's publisher? It was interesting. Okay. How are we go? Can you, can you hear? Okay. Yeah. Just get right in there on that microphone. Okay. That was interesting. So as, as she mentioned, we went through five publishers in five years. And so she said that at the at the sort of at the sort of bottom of despair, she said, uh-huh. "I'm going to." It's like, okay, I give up. I'm just going to write all my books, and then I'm going to leave them to you and your brother, and then and <laughs> and, you, and maybe when I die, you'll publish them. Oh, jeez. Like, I think we can do a little bit better than that. Okay. I thought that was a good plan. <laughs> I, you gotta have faith in the legacy, but but you are a, obviously you must be a go getter. You you developed a plan, and you, yes. had you been in publishing before? I don't no. know your background. Nope, nope, no, um, no. So my back. Well, so this is what my mom likes to joke about because by training I am I am a linguist, and my my specialty is okay. Welsh, and so oh that goodness. is the only time that so publishing seemed like a very sensible business compared to Welsh. <laughs> I I I. I, I, I I've seen Welsh written out, and I've never st- studied it. It seems, to my eye, a completely ignorant person in the field of Welsh language, a very difficult language to pronounce with very long yes. strings of letters. Yes. So I don't know what the career path is there. Well, but... it's um, so it does. It's a wonderful language. I'm I don't sure. want to go off about. I, want, I don't want to go off about Welsh. We're supposed to be talking about the book. But, okay. But, but people people say that it looks like it has no vowels. Mm-hmm. It does look like it has no vowels, but that's because it has extra vowels. W and Y are vowels, oh. and so you can get words like C W R W or Y S <laughs> or Y S B Y T Y, and those are perfectly valid words. And I suppose if you've made a study of that and have the <coughs> cognitive ability, as do, I guess, Welsh but, people, uh-huh. then you certainly are bright enough to figure out... So- but yes, but our yes. own, your mother's own English writings. <laughs> yes, and so, like, so my, um, well, my aunt is a my aunt who is a lawyer, and I've researched how one goes about researching na- researching names and starting and, and and actually start and how one like goes through the motions of finding a name that's open and starting a business, and yeah. so that's what we did. And then I worked with a consultant to figure out how one actually like how do you actually do this? And I figured it out and we figured it out and we got a designer and we got a, and we got a proofreader and we figured out the process of turning it from a manuscript into a book. So really from the ground up, this is 
put together a new publishing company, which is called, you, you had a name. Tempest Books Limited. Tempest? Yes. Tempest Books Limited. Yes. Okay. Into the eye of the storm. Here yes, we go. Absolutely. And, and it seems like maybe you found the eye. It seemed pretty stormy before this happened. Oh, Lord. You know, I had never thought of it that way. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Of course, being in the eye of the storm means that more storms are coming. Let's hope not. It could be a very big eye. <laughs> let's, let's, you know, some of these eyes are miles and miles wide. Okay, so we, it is now published. Thank you, Ariel and Tempest, uh, Tempest Publishing. Tempest, Tempest Books Limited. Books Limited. Thank you. It's there, and it's a beautiful hardback, and it's right in front of us at the moment. What, um, so, so tell me the experience. We talked a little bit about your writing it and the story set in the 1970s about a, uh, woman who's kind of she's been in med school she's finished two she years of med school and said i've had enough i've been in school i need to have some life yeah other she gives than, herself a month to live yeah as she calls it goes mm-hmm. to san francisco and falls into san francisco in the late 1970s mm-hmm. and so you know the interesting thing that i found it, it's really fun to put a book out into the world because then People start talking to you about it, oh, yeah. and you and you hear what they pick up, and what they noticed, and what they like, what they didn't like. Bev at Talbot's told me right away. She said, "I was so mad at Sarah. That's the character when she ate a mushroom, a hallucinogenic mushroom." Okay. So I, she said, "I was so mad. I, I stopped reading the book right then. Oh, but no. then I had to go back and read it. You but, see what happened." So, <laughs> You know, it, it's 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 really fun. And sort of hearkening back to old Napa that you, you mm-hmm. first mentioned, that's the thing that surprised me the most is people who are picking up on a kind of nostalgia, not only for old Napa, but it's set in San Francisco in the 1970s and then in Napa Valley in the 1970s. And that's what people seem to be talking to me about a lot is the... Is, is the the fun of going back to what San Francisco was like then, even though it was pretty chaotic then, and, mm-hmm. and and the innocence of the Napa Valley, which it was probably more innocent in the 1970s in its own way, and even even things like oh you put buttercream bakery and valergus in it, and I said well that's just part of the landscape. Yeah, that's that's so, what was here. Yeah. And what inspired you to choose that time frame for the story? Well. I lived it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you and Ari, all of you three here are too young to have lived through the crazy times that that I did in in San Francisco and Berkeley then. But, yeah, um, I, I mean, I was I was alive in the seventies, but yes, pretty young. Maybe <laughs> pretty not young. aware of all probably, the craziness. Probably not out experiencing <laughs> and the me, craziness. I, me, I was born in the nineties. See, <laughs> there you go. He's a youngin. Yeah. Okay. But, so, um, so I knew it, and that's so. When you start to write, you do sort of write what you know, fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I think it's a good, it's a good starting place. And, um, you know, my head was just filled with all these characters and, that I'd met then and people whose paths had crossed mine. And it all kind of comes together in a story. But it's fiction. It's, I have to keep saying that again and again to people. It's, right. it's fiction. It's, that that must know. be maybe one of the most common questions I'm going to guess. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is this somewhat autobiographical? Yeah. Are these real people that you've known? Yeah. Amalgams. You know, you start with someone. For instance, there's a character named Harry the Swinger. Uh, back in the day, I knew this hilarious character named 
who called himself Harry the Swinger, kind of <laughs> What was he up to? To make sure people knew he was the swinger. But still, so I put Harry the Swinger into a book, but in the process of turning it into fiction, he becomes something else. Hmm. And I still think that's a very mysterious process. I'm not quite sure how it happens, that you take a person and say, hmm, good character, but as you're writing in this world that you're creating, they take on a life of their own. So that's very interesting to me. I've, I've kind of fantasized about writing. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never really written much as far as fiction goes. You know, I, I write a lot of, uh, you know, kind of flashy creative stuff for the, for the winery or for this show, little bits, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I like the idea of sitting down and really developing a story with characters. It's like a great chance to play... Uh, like Dr. Frankenstein, you can take all these characteristics and put them in different characters and make them alive, so to speak, you know, on the mm-hmm. page. And that, that's very attractive to me. And, and it must be, must be bizarre because I, w- I would imagine, again, I haven't done this, but you have one idea, but then as the story goes on, this fictional character that exists really only in your head starts developing this own life. Like, oh, that person would never do that, that I thought they would, but now I see they don't. And I think that's kind of cool. It's, it's kind of weird. How do you do it? (laughs) Because, you know, at a certain point, um, and I remember having a conversation with a professor back then when I was writing, first writing fiction as an undergrad and saying, this is very strange because all of a sudden characters are saying and doing things that I didn't plan. And he said, you have to be very careful because they'll take over your story. Hmm. And I thought, how weird is this? We're talking about creatures of my imagination yeah. and yet I found it really does the, the more real the characters become the more you can hear their voices and the more they assert themselves and go no I wouldn't do that wow. and, and, and uh, you know just no stop right there you know so it's, it, it's easy to lose control of fictional characters isn't it crazy <laughs> and then you start to what you know it's like the fine line between creativity and madness is always right there you know, some yes, I I see that, especially um, having listened to or seen interviews with many creative people. A lot of them are a little kooky, and that's that's okay. I admire that. I think we should all have our own uh, little bit of weirdness, and, <laughs> and that's fine. It must be tough. I mean, you strike me as a, a you know a nice person. You know, you you're cool every time we've met. Anyway, I always enjoy our conversation. You seem like. A, like, ah, oh, Sasha, she's, what a nice lady, right? I consider myself a pretty nice guy. I know nice is a terrible adjective, but you know what I'm getting at. Yet to be an author and to write characters, you got to let the nasty side out. You got to be mean to them sometimes. You got to make them suffer. And it, I don't know if I have it within me to even write that. It, it's so painful. You know, we just finished. And by the way, thank you for the very nice review of Matilda the Musical. We oh, that, that was enjoyed fun. reading that. And the show was great. And I saw it several times I'm sure you did. and I was thinking, and I, I like Roald Dahl's writing. I think mm-hmm. uh, he's so bizarre, yeah. but he can be so cruel. Mm-hmm. And um, I've also read, he himself maybe wasn't always the nicest guy all the time, but boy, oh boy, when this little girl is going through all the verbal abuse and the various people who die, you know, like, mm-hmm. how could this writer do that to this wonderful little girl, this character? And I don't know, just, you know, personally, if I could do that as an author to a fictional character, I, it just seems too mean, even though that person doesn't even really exist in real life. <laughs> how, oh, do, I know. how do you get over that? You know, I, I've, 
I, I love um, murder mysteries, mm-hmm. detective novels, and yet it's the same stumbling block I've come to. Is like, I could never kill off a character that I liked. Yeah. So you only have to create kind of creepy characters that it's like it's okay if they get bumped off in the, you know, the dark of the night or something. But it's true. Now in the case of Matilda, he 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 allows her to triumph at the end. Yes. And so all the all that she goes through just makes her triumph all the more dramatic and, and wonderful. And so I think that's how you could do it there if you if your characters suffer, but then yes. ultimately triumph. It does make it feel better. And I, I remember having that talk with my own kids when they were, you know, they're still pretty young, but much younger watching movies where they might be sad at a part. And I'd say, you know, this is part of storytelling. They call it a story arc. Mm-hmm. Things in many stories and many movies kind of, at least, you know, Hollywood movies follow a certain arc and you can sort of predict it. They're going to set up a situation. The situation's going to turn bad somehow in the second act and then the characters will triumph over it mm-hmm. and it's that it's that feeling of sadness tragedy defeat that you get in the second act that makes the ending all the more satisfying when things turn out mm-hmm. and then they kind of they go like oh yes uh, they got it so yeah. now they kind of expect it doesn't upset them as much because they know in most stories hopefully it'll turn out all right Unless it's unless know, it's Hamlet, right? It's not a hundred percent. You got to warn them, but uh, the formula usually ends there. You you usually want your audience leaving happy. I do. I I really yeah. do because there's there's so much all around us that is confusing and doesn't always have a happy ending. And so, but I think the potential lies within us to 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 create those happy endings. Indeed. So, we got to take a little break. Fiction. Yeah, okay. it is the beauty of fiction. We are here with Sasha Paulson and her her daughter, publisher Ariel. We're talking about writing books, and her book is Dancing on the Spider's Web, and it is available now. We're going to be talking more about that. We'll talk a little bit more about the writing process uh, when we come back. You're listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show. We'll be right back after these messages. La, 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 la. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. 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 You're listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show. Want to hear this episode again, as well as past episodes? Subscribe to our podcast. Search for Judd's Napa Valley Show in the iTunes Store. Now, back to the show. Thank you very much, Mr. Lauren Mole. An absolute pleasure to be with you here once again in studio, delivering another episode of Broadcast Excellence. That's right. Okay, we've got in studio features editor of the Napa Valley Register and novelist Sasha Paulson, along with her daughter, Ariel, who is her publisher. And uh, it's great to have you. And you did bring along a copy of the book, beautiful, hardbound. And I understand you would like to give this away. Yes. If somebody would like to have it. If somebody would like to have it, I'll even sign it. Wonderful. Okay, so... Listeners, if you would like to have this copy, just be, it's very easy. Just be the first one to tweet. You got to tweet with the hashtag JNVS and put at Judd's Hill as one, uh, you know, no spaces at Judd's Hill. So I'll see it immediately. 
and say something like, I want the book. We used to call this getting your hands on Judd's goodies, and some of our local authorities and officials thought maybe that wasn't the most appropriate term. I'm still figuring it out myself, and we haven't come up with another name for the bit. Seriously? But, uh, but uh, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, people bring goodies for me, and I like to give them away, so you're just getting them. That's it. Anyhow, so be the first to tweet <laughs> J, uh, hashtag JNVS at Judd's Hill. I want the book. You will have this beautiful hardbound copy of Dancing on the Spider's Web by Sasha Paulson, and I'll bring it over to the uh, tasting room at Judd's Hill, where it will remain through Friday afternoon. If it's not picked up by then, I'm keeping it. I'm going to take it home and read it. If folks... Uh, For all of the millions of people who are listening right now who are not the one that gets this copy, how could other people get it? I would imagine uh, right here at Napa Book Mine locally. Napa Book Mine, they've been fantastic, Uh, as has Copperfields. Okay. Um, If if they don't have it, they'll order it for you. But, um, you know, they both did events, which was really fun to to, uh, get up and read from the book and, and talk to people about it and tell them the whole ordeal. Um, <clears throat> it, it's kind of turned it into a whole new experience that's become, you know. And you've been doing events. Fun. I mean, you've been go, going out and yeah, talking about it, reading week. from it. In Sonoma, I, I was, I felt very honored that they would do one in Sonoma. And then in December, Book Passage in Corte Madera is mm-hmm. uh, hosting a reading, which I understand is a very big deal because people, they've had people like, you know, Bill Clinton. And, oh, that's, yeah, and, that's a biggie. Uh, that is a biggie. And I love that these smaller independent bookshops are seem to be on the rebound. There's, there's interest that we, you know, a few years ago, we thought it was a, a dead business, but uh, it's coming back. And we're lucky here in Napa to have the book mine, uh, Napa book mine. Uh, we've got Copperfields. Vallejo just got their first small, in, I think it's the only bookstore in Vallejo, Alibi wow. bookstore. And it's a lovely little place. I popped in because I was curious and really nice folks there. It's great to see this happening, and oh, and you're a part of it. I, I I think it's wonderful, you know. Out of out of all the upheaval and chaos of the the power outages and the fires in the last few weeks, two people have come up to me and said, "Do you know what I did when the power went off? Um, I read a book." Mm. And fortunately for me, they both <laughs> said that they read my book. Read your book, yeah. But I I thought that was great. The, this one woman said she lit a candle. And she started reading it. And I thought, gosh, we're going back to, like, another time reading books by candlelight. But, oh, you know, I just think we need books and stories. I couldn't agree more. Would you like to uh, give us a little something from your book? You want to read something? I'll read the opening paragraphs. Does it need a preface of any sort? Do you need to set it up? um, This is just, I, I would say this is the prologue. The, the the protagonist is, is is a woman named Sarah Gloss who uh, grew up in Napa. She's the granddaughter of uh, farm workers, and she's gone to um, gone off to medical school. She's a very dedicated, hardworking person until she takes some time off. The male hero, I guess you would call, is a is a guy named Rory McIntyre who was the hero of. Napa High School back in the day to remember mm. the person who was always just did everything, the scholar, athlete, and everything. And in this book, when it when it opens, he has gone off to Harvard and then crashed and burned and returned to, to California, kind of like a, a humbled person, I guess. And he is the guy that when she was this hardworking student at Napa High, she had this 
hopeless crush on this golden hero. <laughs> okay. And so when they meet again in San Francisco, the, the roles are a little bit reversed. Oh, okay. But the the opening scene is actually with uh, Rory McIntyre, who's who's gone through some experiences. And now this is, so this is the very, you're starting at the beginning. This the very is, first paragraph. All right, here we go. The love life of the male tarantula is so dismal it could make the average human feel he's an honored guest at a lavish perpetual banquet of satisfaction. The huge hairy spider spends his first years alone in an underground hole, reaching up into the light only to snare his meals. When he finally emerges at puberty, his sole purpose is to mate and create more tarantulas. Driven by nature, he searches for a female who may kill and eat him, whether she accepts him or not. If he survives, he limps on with whatever legs he has retained until he finds another mate. He doesn't eat, he wastes away, and after one summer of love, he dies. Of all this natural tragedy, Rory McIntyre was unaware. He had studied literature and history at Harvard and physics and astrophysics at MIT, but he had not taken a biology class since 10th grade at Napa High School. He had, therefore, no compassion and certainly no empathy for the weary tarantula lumbering across the lonely desert road at sunset. He had stopped only because he didn't want squashed spider parts on his wheels. Ooh. So that's, that's the beginning. So now we have to read to find out if he is the tarantula, right? <laughs> that uh, piques my interest. Or if he ever <laughs> discovers he has something in common with the tarantula. <laughs> Coming up with that first line, I hear that that is one of the biggies. How do you grab them from the first sentence? You know, I remember another professor. In the love life of a tarantula. Who said, who did a whole semester on the first line of novels and we Mm -hmm. had to analyze it because, you know, that's where you either grab your reader or board them and then they close the book. But of course, probably one of the best opening lines of a novel ever is Pride and Prejudice. Um, the 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 line about uh, a single man of good fortune. Uh, it's a universal it's truth. The truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. And that's, that's how she opens her. <laughs> and then we're off. And then we're off. <laughs> it was the so. best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> exactly. Call me Ishmael. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. On and on. There's some that just stick out, aren't that there? Just stick out. Yeah. I think the love life of a tarantula is, is going to be up there. <laughs> Um, I didn't know until I started researching that. Uh, See, that's another sort of random thing. I was driving home from Yosemite one time at dusk, and and there was this parade of tarantulas crossing the road. It was so creepy. I stopped because I I didn't want to squash any tarantulas. And just thought, what are they doing? And then I found out that it's in autumn when they, they come out and to mate. And mm. so they were all out looking for mates. This was a group of them. I don't know if it was like some sort of... <laughs> but, you know, so then years later, it, that moment kind of cropped up. Only it's in Rory McIntyre's experience. Interesting how that that, so weird. that was in there and came out in the process. Yeah. Wow. I got to sit down. And speaking of which, right now we are in the midst of NaNoWriMo... <laughs> which is the, uh, what does it stand for? National Novel Writing Month. Yeah, yeah. Which is every November, I suppose. And mm-hmm. there's an organization. 
NanoRimo.org. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was hearing about that just yesterday on NPR. Uh, if you go to NanoRimo.org, and I'll, I'll spell that out, it's Nano, N-A-N-O, for National Novel, and then Rimo, W-R-I, for writing, and then M-O, month, NanoRimo.org, and there's all this information and, and tools to help you get going and get through writing a novel. And the, I guess the, the goal um, is to, in the month of November, complete a 50,000-word novel. And they've got tools and tricks and tips and uh, pep talks from other novelists that uh, go on the website and, and uh, encourage you to do this. And, and if you were going to give someone the pep talk... What would you say? You know, so someone like me who I, I I love the idea of writing something. I don't know where to start. I'm not sure what I would write about, but I like the idea of creating a story and creating these characters that we talked about and seeing the twists and turns that their lives and actions take. How, it, how do I do it? I I think you just start, and and you start knowing that the finished product is 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 going to in no way resemble what you write at first. That's got to be tough. You just got to start getting words on paper or in a computer or whatever. And um, and not to worry too much about it being perfect at this point. You just have to, like, sort of begin. I've often <clears throat> kind of avoided too many writers' groups or too many places where you you sit and talk about writing because I think that time is often better spent just beginning. It's a very lonely process. You've really got to go into a room by yourself and, and start writing. And at a certain point, if it's working, it'll take over, and mm. then you just can't resist writing. And it's good to have an idea, a character. I, I start with characters. Some other people start with plot lines. Some people plot it all out so they know what's going to happen. I don't. I, I, I think that people are what drive the story. So I start out with an idea for a character and put them in a situation and, and, then, and then see what happens. Do you recall the first, uh, the first phrases, the first words you put down that led to Dancing on the Spider's Web? Um, I think it was, um, the, the first, um, the first chapter where, um, let's see if I can find that. Um, and did those first, did those first words you put down make it into the book? Yeah, they did. In this case they did, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the very opening. I, I, it was, um, it was this, the deposit check hadn't bounced, the keys opened the door the electricity had been turned on without complications, and all four burners on the gas stove worked. Sarah Glass, setting down the last of her three boxes of possessions, was overtaken by an unfamiliar, irrepressible fit of optimism. She felt it distinctly, if warily, an inexplicable notion that an invisible hand was arranging these things, a gift for following the bizarre impulse that had brought her here. She did not believe in unseen things, she reminded herself, but neither could she insist the sensation was only the biochemical result of living for three days on peanut butter. She, who had never done a wild thing, had done this. She flicked the light switch on and off, light bulbs too. 
Okay, so your the introduction basically of this yeah. woman starting her new life was that was my kind of playing with the idea of this character who had left medical school for a short time, mm-hmm. she thinks, and she's catapulted herself into a new situation. So that was kind of formulating the idea of this character, Sarah Glass. And at that point, I didn't really know very much about her. I didn't know she'd grown up in Napa. I didn't know. um, I just, you know. That all came later, huh? That all came later as as it becomes more and more clear. Really interesting. I think you should write a novel. I think you'd write something very creative and interesting. Well, yeah, some people have called me kicky, quirky, weird, and Mm -hmm. and I take it all as a compliment. And and I enjoy enjoy writing little, again, I've only ever written like little bits. I did take a creative writing class in college, which was a long time ago, and wrote a story, and I did enjoy that process. I, I guess I haven't felt strongly of uh, an idea or a character or situation that has motivated me to want to get it down. But on the, you know, on the other hand, I haven't really dwelled on it. And maybe if I really sat down and meditated on it, something would occur to me. Mm-hmm. I've been a little distracted over the past many years with, uh, you know, having a business, a couple kids, you know, life, all that. But, you know, if you're a creative type, I think it's got to come out one way or the other. Well, <clears throat> I can tell you, <clears throat> this really... The book is set in the 1970s, and I didn't intend it to be an historical novel. I started, uh, I wrote the first chapter as a a writing sample when I was applying to Cal's uh, journalism school. I needed a writing sample, so I sent them this. I don't know why they they accepted it, but they did. But uh, that was uh, 1984. I started at Cal in 85, then... Got married, had two children, and uh, it was it was a good ten or fifteen years before I went back to the book. Oh, I see. So this really, the yeah. germ of this goes way back. Oh, it goes way back. Yeah. Oh. So well, yeah. congratulations on making it happen. That's great, and to Ariel for really physically making this happen, getting this book out and about and into the hands of folks. Are there any other? I know we just missed one last week. Any other personal appearances with the book coming up? Is there a mailing list? How would people find out if you're doing these types of things? Um, a website. Uh, December fourteenth, book passage. Um, that's uh, the next reading coming up, and then I'm pretty much more focused on my new novel. Ah, which is, okay. Uh, well, let's hear about this. Okay. As much as you can share. Well, I I finished it. Gave it to the publisher, got it back with quests. I'm, I'm pointing at Ariel, the publisher. <laughs> Is that you? Yeah, she's, that's you. Okay. The publisher slash editor. Uh, yeah, I have to admit, I'm very lucky. And if you do write your novel, I can highly recommend a publisher for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. But So then I was finishing revisions. But it's I have this cast of characters that I sort of envision going from like 1950 to the present time. And by the time I write all these novels... Maybe I will figure it out for myself the times that we've lived through and where we're going and even if we're going to survive. So this is this is the first set of characters and, and a couple of the characters from this book reappear in, in the second book. Ah, okay. Although it's not really chronological at this point. I'm just kind hmm. of, you know, it's... But you're developing a eventually canon be, of... Yeah, this yeah. one is set, it opens in San Francisco, but then it quickly moves to the kingdom of Tonga where one of the characters uh, uh, goes, uh, she's sort of 
reached that point in life where uh, she's lost her job, she can't find another job, her cat died, her car broke down, and she's just wondering, Off do I have any South kind Pacific. of a future? So mm-hmm. she's offered a job, pure escapist job, it sounds like, in mm-hmm. the South Pacific, that's where the kingdom of Tonga is. Okay. When she's offered it, she doesn't even know where it is. She thinks it's in Africa, which a lot of people do, but it's that's, this obscure kingdom. That's Togo, I think. That's sounds Togo. like yeah, Tonga. It sounds like Tonga. Sort of. In fact, I, I was there with the Peace Corps many years ago in, in the kingdom of Tonga. Oh. And they said that often mail from the families to Peace Corps volunteers went to Africa. Uh-oh. Or, or the basement of the Fairmont Hotel in yes, San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. The other Tonga. How interesting. Well, do we have a working title or are we waiting on it's that? It's called... Don't... Uh, where time begins. Where time begins. Okay, it's my, something to look for. Uh, my uh, literary agent came up with that uh, back when I had an agent, um, and it's because the Kingdom of Tonga is really close to the international dateline, and so the the king said he named Tonga where time begins. So. Well, we can't wait to have a look. I'm sorry, I'm looking around because there's uh, something I want to offer you, and I'm not sure I brought it in the studio. <laughs> I recall last time you were here, we offered you, we did find out that you do go nuts for donuts. I'm not going to ask you that. You like the chocolate ones. So we brought you a selection of chocolate donuts today. Did you really? And they're, they're around here somewhere. I think the donut uh, you know what? elf may have... Uh, okay, we left the... them out. So they're there for you. In the meantime, we're going to play <laughs> <laughs> something to look forward to. As long as you share one with Ira out there, everyone will oh, be happy. Absolutely. Uh, but now we're going to play everyone's favorite party game here at Judd's Napa Valley Show. This! Is and we're going to go rather quickly here. Okay. You being an author, I bet you can do this. So I know you know the game. Think quickly. You're going to think quickly. And the first thing I need is a geographic location. Well, I'll say the Kingdom of Tonga since it's on my mind. Okay. That's a good one. Kingdom of Tonga. Another geographic location. How about the Burger King in Tibet? <laughs> There's a story there, isn't there? There is. I wish we had time. That's a uh, whopper of an answer. Oh, Lauren. <laughs> I'll get... All right. Leave now. No, that was good. That was good. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was good. Thank you. Another geographic location. How about a Moscow subway? Moscow subway. Uh, like the form of transportation or sandwich shop? Okay. A uh, geographic location. Again, another one. Okay, let's see. I'm running out of them. Let's go inside a Ooh, excuse me. a fish barrel in the Arctic Circle. A fish barrel in the Arctic Circle. Oh, he has a tissue for me. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren, very much. <laughs> Appreciate that. I'll give this back You're to you welcome. when I'm done. Uh, a plural noun. Tarantulas. Tarantulas. Name of person in room. How about Lauren? Lauren Mole. Okay. A noun? Octopus. Octopus. Another noun. You're good. You're rattling these off. Uh, excited hedgehogs. <laughs> excited hedgehogs. Another noun? Confused congressman. Confu- <laughs> Timely here. Confused mm-hmm. congressman. Another noun? Oh, wow. Various muffins. I like those, too, as well as donuts. Okay. Various muffins. And finally, another noun. It could be plural as well. It's fine. Uh, Lumpfish. 
Lump fish. Okay, earlier Uh-oh. today, here we go. Uh-oh. Earlier today, I was online, and there was a piece, a little biography about you on, uh, I think, the Napa Bookmind site about the reading you just did. So you just rewrote part of your bio via this oh, Mad Lib game. Are you ready? Here we go. This is all about you. We're going to cram this in. Okay. Oh, no. After studying journalism at University of California, Kingdom of Tonga, <laughs> Sasha Paulson lived and worked in the Burger King of Tibet and the Moscow subway before returning to her home, the fish barrel in the Arctic Circle. (laughs) While raising her two tarantulas with the help of their dog, Lauren Mole, (laughs) she was features editor... Lauren gave such a look just now. She was features editor for the Napa Valley Octopus, where she wrote about excited hedgehogs, confused congressmen, various muffins... And lump fish. <laughs> dancing, on the, dancing on the Spider's Web is her first novel. Sasha Paulson and Ariel, thank you so much for being here. It's thank a pleasure. You. And, uh, you know, good luck with all, all the writing. This is thank very you. interesting. Thank you. And good luck with your writing, thank too. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. A pleasure. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.